Hello, and welcome to another episode of Between the Bytes, weekly discussions on cybersecurity, IT, and business. My name is Derek Parkinson. My name is Gary Arnold. And I'm James Fair. Today, we're going to talk about cloud. Pretty basic level of the cloud, but I think it's a word that anybody in IT likes to use a lot, but doesn't often come with explanations. So we're going to get into what actually is the cloud, what does that mean, Let's start with just that. James, when someone's referring to the cloud or moving my business to the cloud or my business is in the cloud, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> it's up on this mountain peak somewhere. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> really, it's another person's server is what it comes down to. Instead of my own server, I'm going to store my stuff on somebody else's server. Or in most cases, it's multiple servers, right? So uh, let's take Microsoft, for instance, their Azure platform. They have these data centers throughout the world, throughout the United States. And when I put my stuff in the cloud, I'm basically taking my, you know, my digital assets, my organization's digital assets, which could be you know, your database, your IT resources, many kind of services, applications, and I'm going to store them on servers up on Microsoft's Azure servers, which can then be distributed across the United States so that if there is a, an earthquake, for instance, in one area, well, that may automatically fail over to a different area. And depending on where you are in the, in the country, you get a faster connection because it's going to connect to multiple resources across the U.S. So it's not just one data center in one place. It's spread out across multiple ones. Now, does a business that's looking to move to the cloud, is there a size limit? If it's, let's say, a small shop, everybody's using laptops, they don't have a server room or anything like that, is it still a viable move? Are they already using the cloud without knowing it? Yeah, if they don't have a server room, they're already using the cloud. And and we all do probably to some extent without thinking about it a whole lot, like Gmail, for instance, that's in the cloud. It's not in a server sitting in my office or in my house, right? Any kind of Microsoft 365 product or Office product, unless I'm installing it locally, I'm using a cloud product. So I think we use it far more than we realize. And so there's a little bit of like, ah, what am I doing when I'm moving to the cloud? But it's pretty, you know, synonymous with day-to-day -day usage this day and age. But the original question. No, there really is no size limit to it other than you're going to increase cost. That's one of the things you really want to consider when moving to the cloud. If I'm going to take my data that's on my on-prem server and I'm going to move it to a server up in the cloud, it's going to be a lot more expensive. Storage is a premium. You know, you're paying for, so rather than just buying a cheap hard drive, throwing it in my server or a couple of them, storage is expensive on the cloud. So it's definitely something you want to consider. And in fact, whenever possible, you really want to reduce your footprint, your the size of storage you're taking up before moving to the cloud, because it can get pricey. But that's also one of the big advantages to the cloud is that if tomorrow I double the size of my business, I can just click a couple of clicks and now I've got double the resources in the cloud, whether that's computing power or storage, all that is, and conversely, if you're a seasonal business and you downsize in the winter time, you can downsize your resource consumption in the cloud. Whereas once you buy a server, you bought a server. You can probably add some stuff to it, right? But the computing power is not going to change very much. The storage could certainly, but you can't decrease the cost if you suddenly have your size of your you know, staff, for instance. So there are definitely some big advantages to moving to it. There are no size limits. There really are not. Gotcha. And is there ever a reason an organization wouldn't move to the cloud? Yeah. I mean, there are costs to it, undeniably. It's, it's a more expensive cost. It comes at some big, dis or some big advantages. Right? I don't have to worry about running my own on-premise server room, for instance, or housing data in my environment, which could get 
potentially stolen by thieves or flood, fire, theft, right? Acts of God could happen and I could lose that information, that server. But it comes at a cost. There are certainly stages in organizations growth where you could actually be some cost savings by moving to the cloud. But for most small organizations that you're referring to, it can be an expensive proposition. You've got to pay to migrate it. You've got to pay someone to administrate it unless you have the IT staff on your own staff to manage it. And most technical folks these days aren't necessarily up to speed on on how to set up cloud, how to manage cloud. There's certainly plenty of folks out there that can, and it's certainly changing rapidly. But most of us, like myself, grew up in an environment where we had on-premise servers and that's all we used. So there's a, and it's very different. I assure you from a technical standpoint, it is very different in how it's managed and how it's set up and how it's run. So yeah, there are definitely some disadvantages to it. There are applications, some legacy apps in particular, that just aren't going to run in the cloud. We've seen some organizations come in and say, hey, we want to move to the cloud. And like, what are you using? Oh, we built our own custom in-house application. We do some testing, put it up in the cloud, and there's an increased latency, right? It's no longer from my desktop in the office to my server in the office across a gigabit connection. Now it's across the internet to, you know, probably in a different state and at a much lower speed across the internet. And suddenly that application is running too slow to be useful or it's the uh, latency drives some people crazy. Like I can't handle this latency. It's driving me nuts. I click on a file, it doesn't open instantly like it used to. So there are security considerations, right? There's reliance on the internet. If I'm in an office and the internet goes down, I got a server, I'm still online, I'm still able to work. But if I'm relying on the internet, I have to have internet. As soon as that goes down, so do I. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm probably guilty of that. I'm one of those that if my computer can't run just a step below reading my mind, <laughs> then it it drives me insane, especially running programs like any any of the Adobe suite. If I click and there's a just a hair's delay, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me <laughs> if it can't keep up with me. And I have ADD, so that makes it a lot worse because I'm right. never just doing one thing at a time. You're probably buying computers more often than most, I suspect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to make the comment, James, you know, I, I wonder, in addition to the availability and the providers like Microsoft, Google and Amazon, the big providers of cloud storage for both personal and business growing, the increase in, in the amount of people using cloud, the amount of businesses using cloud probably has a correlation to Internet speed just getting faster. Ten years ago, Internet just wasn't as fast. And so it like you said, there were more latency issues that would come up. But now chances are you have good enough internet speed that it that speed or latency may not be a number one or a big issue when moving to the cloud. Yeah, and in some cases it's even better because if I'm running a centralized server and I have remote employees who are connecting to that server in the office, now I'm relying on the office's internet speed. So if we have a gig at the office, for instance, but I have 100 people on it, they're only getting 10 each, right? 10 megs each suddenly, so, it's, so they can slow down. Whereas I put that up in the cloud and it's relatively unlimited. I can, I can you know, spin it up to whatever speeds I want. So um, in that case, it could be an advantage to move to the cloud. Would you say there's obviously pros and cons? And in talking to our dedicated cloud team, you know, they love to say how it is very case by case on, on what it looks like. And it's very customized. And that's sort of the beauty of it is that it is very customizable on how you move to the cloud, what your environment looks like in the cloud. But with all that caveat, and we just take an average, is there a tipping point where, just from a financial perspective, it likely makes sense to move into the cloud? I mean, you've talked about the factors of cost. Storage in the cloud is more expensive. But 
equipment is also expensive. Upkeep of equipment is also expensive. The space to hold that, you know, there's all these other additional costs for the physical pieces that, you know, require the, the on-premise approach. Is there a tipping point, whether that's, you know, the amount of, of data you're having to store or just the number of servers, you know, is there a tipping point where it's like, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer at this point that it would be cheaper to go cloud? Yeah, I think it's more based on the business model than it is necessarily the resources of the hardware. For instance, if I'm going to run a team of employees across the entire United States, it probably makes a lot more sense for me to move to a cloud. Now, there are going to be some you know, increased costs, but the advantage is anybody can work remotely from anywhere in the, you know, in the country or the world. And so I have... I have offset those costs by the availability for employees anywhere in the U.S. without having to hire in a specific region, for instance. So I think it's probably, the answer is yes, absolutely. Though I would look more at the business model than necessarily the number of servers, the amount of space you have. You know, how are people working? If you're all coming to the office every day to work and you have no plans to, to change that to a hybrid or remote model, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, unless you're, like you said, tired of running the air conditioning and buying servers and battery backups and making sure you're redundant internet because those all have costs as well. But it is, you know, definitely an increased cost. So I move that same stuff to the cloud. And again, I have to have those IT staff who understands how to manage that, how to secure it. You know, if I stick something up in the cloud, it's a target. We've talked about that before. So I've got to make sure I've got the right people in the right seats who can, with the right skills in order to manage that properly, administrate that thing properly. So then if an organization has migrated to the cloud, let's say they've signed up with Azure and they've made that transition and they're set up, where does backup come into play? Is that something that's typically included or is that an additional, like through an Acronis that that's also needed? Yeah, that's a great, it's, it's a great question because a lot of time there's a perception that it's in the cloud. I don't have to worry about backups. And that is absolutely not the case. It does not change your need for backups whatsoever for multiple reasons. If I accidentally overwrite my Excel document the previous day and it gets and it gets overwritten and I have no backup and I have no resources to go to. And I want to keep multiple copies of that because maybe I overwrote it a week ago and I, I missed the fact that a week later I go, oh, I overwrote that thing. Now we need it back from a week ago. So now we're keeping multiple copies. There's always the instance of ransomware. Never wants, never wants to see that. But if ransomware were to infect files and then the backup went off that night, it may overwrite the existing backup data, which means all of a sudden you've got encrypted files. And stuff happens, right? Providers are not perfect. Not necessarily to point fingers, but there have been instances that what I've heard of personally where QuickBooks data in the cloud, into its cloud solution, companies have lost data. There's a mix up, the backups didn't go off properly, and they come back and they say, sorry, we lost your data. And you're like, well, wait, what? That's your responsibility. And they, you know, you signed a document that said, it's not on you if something goes amiss or something happens. So yeah, please, please, please don't think you're immune from the need for backup simply because you're using a cloud. And that applies to email backups, right? Your email can get wiped out by someone that gets copied to the cloud. Suddenly both the cloud version and the on-prem version are syncing together and they both have nothing. You've lost all your email. So yeah, please, please, please have backups no matter where you are. I guess it's, this is a good time to bring up, you know, even from when you first described the cloud, it's kind of like, well, isn't that less secure? You know, moving all my data to somebody else's servers in an unknown place. I mean, sure, Microsoft's a big name, but so so walk us through the pros and cons specifically on the security side and then maybe how you do security differently when in a cloud environment. 
Yeah. Just speaking in general, most organizations have experienced an uptick in security level. So they actually became more secure by moving to the cloud. Now that can be offset if you, again, I keep pointing at the poor staff people, but if your IT group isn't familiar with the way to set up things securely in the cloud, they can inadvertently leave things open or vulnerable to attacks. We see this when we spin up a server in the cloud. If we don't immediately start securing it, we'll see attacks on it almost immediately. It's, it's just amazing how fast it can happen. One of our, so false, one of our providers showed it where they, they spun up a server's demonstration. They're like, oh, look, we're seeing attacks already before they got the thing secured. So generally you have increased security. You've got a team of Microsoft who is making sure that this is not going to happen. They are doing updates on a much more regular basis. Your vendors, whether it's Google or Microsoft or AWS, they're putting on updates as soon as they're, as they're found out, right? There's no waiting. There's no finding a nice time in the middle of the night to do reboots or on the weekend. You're not waiting for the IT person to come in and take care of those updates. They're rolling out updates just as fast as possible to make sure everyone stays secure. And I guarantee whatever organization you run, Microsoft's team of security professionals is much bigger and much you know better paid. And this is what they do all day, every day. And few of us have an organization where we have a team of people whose job it is simply to secure us internally. They do, as do all the other big players in the space. I'm not just pointing out Microsoft, but just by way of example. So in general, moving to the cloud is more secure, provided you're making sure you're covering those base points and not leaving something open through human error. Well, that is a recurring theme around here, isn't it? Uh, you know, in addition <laughs> to human error, it's just configuration error, which is another kind of human error, really. But proper configuration, man, well, we got to put that in like the top three security things. MFA, yeah. training, and configuration. Yeah. And, you know, have someone audit your work. Because that's really, no matter how many times you could, like if you're editing a document, no matter how many times you read, you read into the lines and you see things that you believe should be there because they were in your mind and it's not there. So have somebody else audit your stuff periodically is a really smart way to go. You know, we do quality assurance checks internally at Executech and for our larger clients because we want some somebody else to come in and evaluate the things that we believe are secure because we're human and we make mistakes. So if you're looking to move to the cloud, is that something that an organization can do on their own, should do on their own, or is it a lot like, let's say, fixing your own car? Yeah, you could do it, but there's a pretty definite line of when you should probably put the wrenches down and just take it to somebody who's... <laughs> well, watch a uh, YouTube video and you're good to go, right? <laughs> yeah, YouTube can only cover so much on the right. how-to side. So is that similar with the cloud migration? Because I'd imagine so. <laughs> yeah, I, in general, I'm going to certainly encourage people to hire a professional who this is what they do all day, every day, is, is help you migrate to the cloud. There are a lot of gotchas when moving to the cloud, right? There are, you know, there's the cost. Have you properly assessed the cost? Have you properly assessed the amount of space you're going to need, the bandwidth, the computing power, and the speed? And in many cases, the business needs to reorganize how they're doing things. For instance, uh, I see a lot of this in the migrations that we do where an organization goes from server drive letters, right? I got my G drive or my D drive, and now I'm moving to SharePoint and there are no drives and it's a very different way of doing things. And without proper training to those users, many people are like, I don't get this, put it back, this is dumb, right? So making sure you choose the right cloud provider. Are you migrating the data in a, in a way that doesn't leave you down? So if your office, for instance, doesn't have a whole lot of bandwidth, how long is it gonna take you to migrate all that data on your server up to the cloud? And then have you considered that in your downtime calculations? Have you tested your application, whatever it may be you use, whether it's QuickBooks or something else, have you tested it in the cloud? 
to make sure it's going to be responsive. Are there interconnections to the application you're using, right? Is another application that pulls data or pushes data to, your, to that application you're putting up in the cloud? So there's really a great deal of consideration and planning that goes into it, implementing security controls, optimizing it, modernizing applications in a lot of cases. So it is certainly there are organizations out there that are staffed and can do this on their own. But in general, if they aren't already there, chances are they probably could use some help getting there, or at least someone to help them draw a roadmap for them, even if they don't implement. And then someone to check the security afterward, as we talked about a couple of times. Yeah, I know our, our cloud team has emphasized, you know, in addition to everything you outlined there, that there's so much that can and really should go into an effective migration into the cloud. Once you're there, it's it's not just, okay, we're there, check, done, you know, I'm on with business as usual. It's There's so much uh, optimization that should happen to make sure you're getting your money's worth out of the cloud and make sure you're not spending too much and making sure things run quickly and efficiently. And that's going to ebb and flow as users and data and all that changes. So you need to keep a constant eye on it. Yeah. So you're also, you know, testing it afterward. You're doing some some measuring afterward. Do we use it on the weekend? Is it necessary for us to pay for this, you know, the storage costs or the the resource costs on the weekend or after hours? Can we save some money by turning those down in the morning when when everyone logs in at the same time? Do we have enough resources or does it slow people down? Because there's a cost your employees being less efficient if things are slower. Yeah, there's definitely some gotchas in this that these professionals who do this all day every day are looking at for you, for sure. And then is there an average timeline or is it pretty different from a case to case as far as what it, how much time goes into a cloud migration from a professional? So say for us, do we have like an average turnaround time or is that a, there's some pretty hard variables that change that from... Yeah, that, that's a tough question. <laughs> There's the IT guy's favorite phrase, it depends. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I would say in general, it's much longer than most people think about because we think, oh, I'll just move some stuff up there and be done. But as we've just touched on and you know, some of the high-level aspects, there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot to go into planning. There's a lot that goes into testing. So the migration itself may happen over a weekend, but there may be a month of prep work working up to this. You know, do we have in a lot of cases, we want to make sure that the organization has buy-in on the different heads of your departments, right? Each department wants to weigh in and make sure that their needs are being addressed or met or their concerns are brought up. So that can take weeks or months. So the process can range from a month to six months, but it can, I, I often see it to be much longer than most people anticipate. The final pull of the trigger, like, hey, starting Monday, we're going to go. Yeah, it's typically for our cloud team anyway. We're going to close it down on Friday. We're going to start you up on Monday. Come Monday morning, you're in a different environment. But it's a really long roadmap to get there to that point. Gotcha. And I guess we should do a, a small plug for the mini series within our podcast that we did a while back called Journey to Azure. We had a member of our cloud team go into much more depth about that migration process the before, during, and after. And so small plug for that to go check it out if you really want to nerd out on what it takes to move. Yeah, Tyler knows his stuff. That's a, that's a great episode. Highly recommend it. One thing also just touch on, and, and we mentioned earlier that there are kind of the big three cloud providers uh, in terms of the big corporate enterprise level providers, but there's also lots of other little ones as well. What are some considerations and, and major differences when looking at those? Again, the big three, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, but there's all kinds of other smaller shops that, that offer you know cloud storage or cloud servers, off-prem, all that stuff. 
what should I be looking at? What is the real difference between these? Ooh, it's a big question. I would say certainly evaluate their security at their level, right? I've seen some quote unquote cloud providers who had a couple servers in a data center somewhere and they were selling space. And when I, I took over the client's IT and I looked at their space, I could see all the other organizations in there as well. You know, I could see, oh, here's someone else's server. Now I couldn't necessarily browse the data in it, but I could see, oh, here's the organi other organizations in it. So it was pretty evident that they just had, uh, you know, a couple servers in a data center somewhere. And that does, that does not spark a whole lot of confidence in the providers. So uh, I would encourage you to look to see where are they storing the data and in what fashion and is it distributed? And do they cover something such as a disaster in a certain area? How do you recover from that? And then look at their security posture. And do they have, are they properly securing things? Do they have uh, security policies in place? Are they doing some risk assessments? Do they understand compliance, right? Because some of us want to do PCI, some of us want to do HIPAA. And there's a whole bunch of others that maybe we need to take into account when we're moving data up on the cloud as well. So how familiar are they with those if that's something that you have or need or want to do in the future? And, you know, reputation, by all means, do some reviews, see what people say. There's certainly, you know, not everyone loves Microsoft or Google or Amazon, but in general, we're probably going to see some pretty close to five-star ratings from those, from those teams. So, you know, evaluate the need and the cost and their long-term viability. Have they been around for a year or 10 years? Are they going to be around for 10 more years? You know, look for news about attacks from them. Have they been in the news before for breaches? That may be an indication that either they're learning and getting better or that this may be a, a <coughs> T-Mobile, <coughs> maybe a repeating pattern with them. <laughs> nice. Basically, you want to make sure that it's not another organization trying to offset the cost of their oversized server by starting a quick LLC and renting out some space. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Renting storage in an in a oversized server that they put in a data center somewhere. Yep. That's exactly what I ran into before. Yep. That was a bit shocking. It was an MSP actually. So that was even more shocking. Is there anything of consideration, you know, between Mike, let's just say for simplicity, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, you know, certain apps, business apps that I have, that I'm running will play better in a Amazon environment versus an Azure environment, or is it pretty equal playing field? I'm sure you're going to get different answers depending on who you ask. From my personal opinion, Amazon seems to be for fast, lightweight, typically non-Windows applications. Microsoft, in their hand, has some really cool features, at least I believe they're really cool features, such as Intune. So I can, I can manage remote hardware in disparate locations across the country or the world in a secure fashion. That's really what it's designed to do. So I can bolt in, not only do I have Azure Cloud Services, but now I can bolt on other services, Azure Active Directory and Intune and all these other features that existed before with my Windows server locally that I'm not gonna get if I move to Google or Amazon. So if you're a Google Workspace user, then Google Cloud is probably the way to go for you because you're gonna leverage those same features in the cloud that you would if you were in a Windows environment. So that's kind of a general overview. And I'm sure, like I said, you're gonna get very different answers depending on who you ask, but I'm a bit of a Microsoft fanboy. I've been using it for a while. Azure is very complicated, but when you get it, you, you can really do some amazing things with it. All right. Well, James, thank you for walking us through the basics. Any final thoughts or advice around cloud, cloud migration before we wrap this episode up? I'm sure it's something that Tyler didn't already cover or has already covered rather. But, you know, if you really want to ensure success of moving to the cloud, like I said before, get your organizational buy-in. Make sure everyone's on board with this move. 
and define your roles and responsibilities for this. Who's going to be responsible for what facets of the cloud, right? Is it just dump it on the IT team or will be there people who'll be responsible for that. So really dive into the roles and responsibilities for that. Understand the security risks and make sure you're covering those. Get your cost calculated. We've seen organizations move to the cloud and get sticker shock from how much it costs them because they did not really plan it appropriately. And so when they got everything up there in the cloud, it was way more expensive, way more space, way more resources than they had anticipated. And the costs were overwhelming to them. And in some cases they said, forget it, we're going back. And then make sure it's working with a business model as well. If you're using legacy applications, maybe it's time to modernize and use something that works for a more disparate staffing and devise a roadmap. How are we going to get there? How are we going to analyze it after it's done? And what are we going to do in the future to continue down this path? Because the one advantage this gives at businesses is the ability to pivot quickly, right? In this modern world, businesses need, need to be able to turn on a dime and adjust the way that they do things. And the cloud definitely will help them do it. Awesome. Love the plug for the roadmap. Good for IT, good for cyber, good for cloud, good for life. Make a roadmap. <laughs> I roadmap for life. I like it. Let's do that. It should be a podcast. There you go. <laughs> Love it. All right, gentlemen, thanks again for joining me. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thanks, guys. Be safe out there, folks. Bye-bye. See ya.